know, it is the uh, really the, the safest form of permanent contraception for a couple, certainly much safer than tubal ligation. And then certainly there's a lot of other factors. So as men get older, partners may be a little older. Uh, and so the fertility chances may not be quite as high. So other factors that go into it. Welcome to More Life. In this episode, Hartford HealthCare's Steve Coates and Dr. Jared Beanick, Medical Director of Men's Health at Hartford HealthCare's Tallwood Urology and Kidney Institute, get into some very important topics for men and anyone who loves them. While vasectomy is a sensitive topic, is it really a good option for male birth control? And more importantly for some, is it reversible? And is it covered by insurance? These are questions a lot of people have, and Dr. Beanick has answers. In addition to overall men's health, Steve and Dr. Beanick also get into Zero Prostate. It's a movement to create Generation Zero, the first generation of men free from prostate cancer. Hartford HealthCare and Tallwood have partnered with Zero Prostate Cancer, a national organization, to raise funds for research with a Zero Prostate 5K family run. That's scheduled for June 12th in Hartford. We'll tell you more about that at the end of the podcast. Here's Steve Coates. We were joking, I I guess half joking, before we started rolling here that even though we're several weeks out, The NCAA tournament is a huge time for men to get their vasectomies. And I was told that Tallwood had like a record year. This is a thing. Um, You know, I I don't know the background or the history, uh, but I know that um, there are a number of groups uh, across the country that advertise uh, for more access to vasectomies and vasectomy consultations uh, during that late March, early April timeframe that coincides with the NCAA tournament. Um, Because when you get a vasectomy, you are recommended to have two to three days off your feet, relaxing, taking it easy, using some ice. And so it's a good time when men are already on the couch and and maybe can uh, relax and enjoy the basketball games and recuperate at the same time. So it's been uh, marketed by a number of urology groups across the country. Um, I find it's really helpful because sometimes I struggle to find access to fit men in when they want some of these procedures. And it's also good to raise awareness. You know, it is the uh, really the, the safest form of permanent contraception for a couple, certainly much safer than tubal ligation. And so raising that awareness for men to understand that there's availability and bring it to front of mind. I think is important. And, and so all of these messages are important, uh, really the couple times a year that we try and increase access for vasectomies. For those that are considering it, the million dollar question is, is it reversible? Uh, so great question. I could talk for an hour on this topic alone, but I'll, I'll try and keep it short and sweet. Uh, so the bottom line is yes, a vasectomy reversal is possible. Uh, it is a procedure that's usually done in the operating room. It's much more involved. So instead of a 20 minute vasectomy, you're talking about potentially an hour and a half or two hour reversal. Uh, it does involve microsurgery to put those freshened edges back together to reconstruct that uh, flow of sperm. Um, and the success rates aren't perfect, uh, but they're pretty high. And it, it really depends, depends on how long it's been since your vasectomy was performed. The shorter the interval, the higher the success rates. And then certainly there's a lot of other factors. So as men get older, partners may be a little older. Uh, and so the fertility chances may not be quite as high. So other factors that go into it. And lastly, I would mention that while a vasectomy is typically covered by insurance, reversals often are not. 
I encourage each patient to check with their insurance company. But if it's not, uh, we do have cash prices available that we try and keep as fair as possible. And congratulations on three years or over three years now of the Tallwood Men's Health Center uh, being up and running. Not just that beautiful building in Farmington, but it's a it's in other regions as well in a virtual setting. With connect- explain to people if they don't know exactly what the Men's Health Center is and what it strives to do. Yeah. Uh, so it's a passion of mine. And, and that was one of uh, my driving forces when I came to Hartford Healthcare was to develop a, a men's health program, a center um, and a center of excellence, uh, taking what we uh, learned from other centers that have existed before we opened our men's health center. So men's health is an interdi- interdisciplinary uh, team. So multiple medical specialties, including primary care that come together that we have a joint mission to recognize men's health issues and the relationships amongst the specialties that we all work in. Uh, We use checklists to keep men honest and check on preventative health and make sure men are up to date with their recommended screenings. And we have a nurse navigator. So we have a dedicated nurse whose job is to help to coordinate that care that can often seem disjointed and be troublesome to navigate. So she's a point person to help get from referral to referral, to help find access to different medical care, uh, et cetera. Now I'm in the demo, in the demo for men's health in the Tallwood Men's Health Center. And just to be honest with you, like many men, I avoid going to the doctor at all costs unless there is something definitely wrong with me. So one of the biggest concerns you've got to have is that connection to primary care doctors and men getting a primary care doctor and going to the primary care doctor. What are you doing to address that? Yeah, I think so. Before we launched Men's Health, we did a lot of due diligence into trying to build it right and build a program for men recognizing uh, what men said would say they need. And a lot of men echoed the sentiments that you're showing us. We did focus groups uh, with a number of men and heard a lot of the same messages, a lot of reticence to seeking medical care and concern about findings and invasive studies, et cetera. And uh, so we tried to build it as comfortably as possible. Uh, And primary care is a main focus. We are not trying to replace primary care. We do screen men to recommend, hey, if you had an hydrocolonoscopy and you're that age group, it would be recommended. Uh, And we can help connect the dots to talk to a doctor about getting that colonoscopy done. We are not primary care doctors. Now, with that being said, we did not have primary care for the first two plus years that we were in existence. And we recognized one of the major gaps is men are driven to seek care for many different specialty related conditions. So for example, I treat a lot of erectile dysfunction, when it's not working, men will seek care. And I recognize a lot of these men don't have a primary care physician. And that was actually a gap in what we offered in men's health. So since that time, we have hired a primary care physician in our central uh, Farmington men's health office. And he works with us two days a week. And he really focuses on men's health and addressing many of the concerns that are specific to men and all of these preventative care tests that are recommended just to stay on top of our health and catch things early and try and limit the manifestation of of any of the things we're trying to prevent. So these are not just one-offs, just treating the condition that's in front of you. This is, say, if a man has sexual function issues, um, there could be underlying issues, whether it's behavioral health or, or other things. That's really kind of what the focus is to make this more of a holistic program. Uh, that's exactly right, Steve. Uh, the analogy I use is silos. 
I, I think medicine and specialties specifically often live in a silo. And so when I treat a man for erectile dysfunction, focusing on prescriptions of phosphodiesterase inhibitors, uh, that's not really treating the whole man. Uh, there may be other, exactly as you stated, behavioral health, weight issue, uh, or God forbid, early cardiovascular disease that we can intervene on. This is our best opportunity to look holistically at that whole man and impact not just his erections in the bedroom, but everything about his overall health. So we can do a better job at screening for those things and making appropriate referrals. So I have a behavioral health specialist who has background in, in sex therapy that I can refer to. I have a collaboration where we have regular meetings with our medical and surgical weight loss colleagues, and I can, I can have a warm handoff for that patient uh, to one of those providers. Uh, and then we have cardiologists and we're developing novel screening methods because it doesn't exist for the patient presenting with ED. How do we determine those guys that are at the highest risk of having a cardiac event in two, three, five years? How do we intervene now and prevent that complication down the road? Now, we talked about how men don't like to go to the doctor, but has COVID had any impact on that, keeping them away from the doctor even more so? Uh, I think, honestly, it's been pretty consistent. There has been a lot of data out there, a lot of studies and people looking retrospectively at pre and post COVID. Uh, a lot of patients have put off cancer screenings, such as colonoscopies, as we discussed earlier. Uh, a lot of patients have had increased mental health struggles as well. I think in our practice, uh, anecdotally, I can't say that we've seen that particularly. Uh, we are in the process of pulling all of our men's health checklist data anonymously to look at that data and see what trends exist and what we've seen in our own practice. So hopefully more to come. For men over 45, prostate cancer is on the radar now, and it's it's a fear of many. Some of the fear is maybe less the actual cancer and what happens following detection, treatment, and surgery, whether it's loss of sexual function or incontinence. And the key, we've heard, is early detection. And some physicians have moved away from the digital exam. Is PSA the best way to go for detection? So this is a bit of a depends who you ask question. Uh, so we're speaking to a urologist right now. I'll try and prevent, uh, present as unbiased uh, an opinion and story as I can. Uh, the, the current stance from the United States Preventative Services Task Force, which really looks at the biggest data that we have available to try to, to determine what are the risks versus benefits of a screening strategy and how many lives it's saving, I've really set, given a very mixed a score to prostate cancer screening. And they really say it's, it's worth a discussion with your doctor. Uh, and so there's, there are many doctors who are taking that stance and, and not offering PSA screening or digital rectal exams. Um, usually this comes from uh, primary care physicians. So I see a lot of patients who aren't getting those screenings. The American Urologic Association uh, does recommend screening after a discussion with men, really in that 55 to 69-year-old age group, unless there's something else that puts you at higher risk. So if you have a first-degree relative, a brother, a father with prostate cancer, you probably should start screening about 10 years earlier than that relative was diagnosed um, in certain races. So Black men uh, have higher rates of prostate cancer and should start screening earlier as well. So those groups should start screening. And really screening includes both a PSA blood draw and a digital rectal exam. And a digital rectal is nobody's favorite. Your urologist or primary care physician doesn't like doing it either, um, but it is important to, to do a, a thorough evaluation. 
I guess it's a really general question, but the quality of life for prostate cancer survivors seems to have gotten much better, say, over the last 25 or 30 years. Can you attribute that to to treatment or is it surgical? I agree. So surgery has gotten better. Robotic surgery has eased the recovery. Radiation has gotten more targeted. There's less effects to the structures around the prostate, which includes the bladder, the rectum, the nerves. But I think the biggest change is we now are advocating more and more what we call active surveillance. So we've realized the pendulum has swung where we used to offer treatment to almost every man diagnosed with prostate cancer. We recognized a lot of these men, the prostate cancer is is not going to become a serious danger of harming or even killing them. These are a, a smoldering change in the prostate that can be watched. And so active surveillance, watching the PSA level and occasionally checking a biopsy really carries the least harm to urinary symptoms and erections, those fears that every man expresses when we start talking about prostate cancer. So I think that's been the greatest advance is that acceptance of active surveillance. And before we close today, a little plug for Zero Prostate and the Zero Prostate Run and Hartford HealthCare's involvement and Tallwood's involvement. Tell us a little bit more about that. So Zero Prostate Cancer is a national organization that raises research dollars uh, for prostate cancer research. Uh, We've been partnering with them for a few years. We've taken, I believe, two years off now during COVID, uh, but we will host a June run, 5K run with them. Uh, It is hosted out of Dunkin' Donuts Park is the start and end. And uh, we partner with them. And some of the funds that are raised do come back locally to support our own prostate cancer education and research with the local community. It is currently scheduled for June 12th. Uh, and it's really a fun time. Uh, it's a great venue, uh, a great uh, group, uh, a fun race, and uh, there's some events for the kids as well. So I certainly would encourage uh, any listeners to look into it, sign up, and uh, be sure to sponsor. More information about the walk will be on our podcast page. Doctor, thanks so much for joining us today. And thanks for having me. Thank you, Steve Coates and Dr. Beanick. Now a little more about the Zero Prostate 5K. It's Sunday, June 12th, and it's part of a nationwide series of run or walk designated to attract patients, survivors, family members, friends, medical professionals, and athletes who all come together as a community to raise awareness about prostate cancer and save lives. The races will finish inside Dunkin' Donuts Park, home of the Hartford Yard Goats. This is a super fun, family-friendly event, and registration is free. And you can even take part in a kid's superhero dash for dad. What a great run up to Father's Day. We'll have the links in this episode's notes where you can sign up for the Zero Prostate 5K. And be sure to check the other links to learn more about Tallwood and Dr. Beanick. For Hartford HealthCare, I'm Anne de Pierre. Thanks for listening to More Life. I'm ready for my close-up. All the faces start to light up. You know I love this feeling. I got more life in my life. If you feel it, then you know. We can go anywhere we want to go. You're gonna love this feeling. We got more life in our life. Oh, I won't stop going. No sign of slowing. Now I know it.